Thank you, praise team. Appreciate Adam covering for Brother Jeff today, who is at Revival in First Baptist Church of Stratford. So if you want to go hear Revival this week, um, Brother Anthony Jordan, Dr. Anthony Jordan is preaching that Revival, and um, Brother Jeff is leading the music for it. So uh, if you can go support him sometime this week, I would encourage you to do that tomorrow night or Tuesday night. Because we want you here tonight and Wednesday night, all right? So uh, support Brother Jeff if you can. Uh, I'm thankful, though, for God using people in our church and them being willing to step up uh, whenever we, we need them to. So appreciate that, Brother Adam, and how you have led us to the throne. If you've got your copy of God's Word, open to Romans chapter 5 this morning. Romans chapter 5, as we continue our cross-examination series, John Piper in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, he said, Life is wasted if we do not grasp the glory of the cross, if we don't cherish it for the treasure that it is, and cleave to it at the highest price of every pleasure and the de deepest comfort in every pain. What once was foolishness to us, a crucified God, must become our wisdom and our power and our only boast in the world. Friends, the cross is important. As I told you last week, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about the cross, just going back to the old rugged cross. Last week, we talked about the wonderful cross and, and, and what it means for us. And today, we're going to look at the magnitude of the cross out of Romans chapter 5, a passage of Scripture that contains one verse that we will know from the Romans road of salvation but I want you to know the context of that one verse shows us the magnitude of the price that God was willing to pay for you and for me to have a relationship with Him. Romans chapter 5 this morning. If, you will, if you're able, if you'll stand with me out of the respect of the reading of God's Word. We'll read verses 6 through 11 this morning. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have been now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. And verse 11 says, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's pray. Father, I come now knowing that if the next few moments are going to be my words, there's not any power in that. But Lord, if you'll move me out of the way and you'll just come speak, I have no doubt lives will be changed today. Hearts will be made new. Holy God, I ask that you would come and work in my life, and each of my brothers and sisters that are here this morning. Draw our attention and our affection to you over the next few moments. 
in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. As we take a look at these few verses this morning, as we we look at the cross, we examine the cross and the price that was paid. If you're following along in your bulletin or you're, you're taking notes, I want us to look back at verses 6 and 7 and see the magnitude of the cross begins with the moment of the cross. The moment of the cross. The ESV says here in verse 6, for while we were still weak at the right time. Some of your translations will say in due time. Can I tell you this morning, That when God sent Jesus Christ to the earth, it was the perfect time. We serve a God who is always on time. He's never late. He's never early. He's always on time. Have you ever missed an appointment? Have you ever been late to work? Y'all are never late to school, are you? No, I, I didn't think so. Maybe you've had those mornings where, where you're up early, you're, you're doing things. I get up at 5 o'clock usually. And, and um, so this morning, 4.45, I'm awake, wide awake, just can't, I just hop up, I'm ready. Things are rolling, we're moving. And long in the morning, you, you, sometimes you have things that happen. If you have kids at home, kids happen, they wake up. And they're not moving in the correct way. And maybe you're running behind, you're late for school, you're late for that appointment, you're late for work. We're so used to to being late, that I think sometimes we attribute that same, that same thing to God. When God doesn't show up on our timetable, when God doesn't show up on when we want Him to, we think He is late, but let me tell you, friends, God is never late. Reminds me of a gentleman by the name of Terry who was never on time for anything. Oh, Terry, he was late to, to the never late Baptist church. Every Sunday, Terry arrived at church, and he, he arrived at the, during the service right after the offering. He could never make it there at the beginning of the service. He, when he sang in the choir, he never knew the songs because, oh, Terry, he would show up at choir practice about the time the closing prayer would happen. He almost missed his wedding, but he arrived just in time to say, I do. He missed his daughter's school play, but he caught her bow in act number two. Old Terry was late his whole life. While most people were sad to hear the thought that he had passed away, many of them commented, finally, he'll make it to church on time. Well, on the day of his funeral, on the way from the funeral home to the church, the hearse took a wrong turn. After the family had filed in, then came Terry's casket at the end of the line, and he was late for his own funeral. Friends, can I tell you, we, we, we kind of chuckle at that. We think it's a, you, you always know those people who are going to be late. One of my previous churches, it didn't matter. Didn't matter. This one family would walk in at 1125 every week. Didn't matter. And they were a, a, a big family, and they would walk all the way down. They had their seat, like many of you all. You're not going to sit anywhere else but your seat. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Have I lost you? All right. And they would come in 11 to... I thought, man, just wake up 25 minutes earlier. That's all you got to do. Just plan. We're going to leave. I'm going to set my clock. They never, ever, ever did. 
They were always late. But friends, I want to tell you today, God is never late. He was on time here with the Son of God. And as I began thinking about this, how important, and it's easy to just walk over this passage, walk over that idea and say, okay, what's the big deal about him being right on time? At just the right time, he sent Jesus to die. We need to understand that God is always on time in our situations. I got to thinking back through the Old Testament. He was on time for Noah. When he told Noah to build the ark, he was not only on time when he told him to build the ark, guess what? He was on time when he told Noah to get in the ark. He was on time when Moses led the Egyptian, or led the Israelites out of Egypt. And the Egyptian army was chasing after them and about to pummel them. He was on time when he split the sea. He was on time for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when he showed up in the furnace. One second later and they would have burned up. He was on time with Elijah on Mount Carmel. He was on time when David fought Goliath. He was on time for Jonah when, when, the, when that big old fish, it was time for him to expel Jonah. He was on time for Daniel in the lion's den. And we need to understand this morning that at just the right time, in due time, God sent Jesus to this earth to live a perfect life and to die for our sins. You see, it probably seemed late to some, but Jesus' work was done at the perfect time and God's plan, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. Galatians 4 and 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, He sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. You see, at just that moment, the world was prepared spiritually, economically, linguistically, politically, philosophically, and geographically for the coming of Jesus and the spread of the gospel. At just the right time doesn't just mean that Jesus came at the right time, but it means that he died at the right time for us as well. He died when we were sinners who needed a Savior. It says that while we were yet sinners, or while we were still sinners, while we were, while we were weak, he died for us. He showed up at just the right time in history. You said that was years ago, years and years ago. Think about it. He had to be at just the right time for the man on the cross in Luke chapter 23, sitting right next to him, being hung right next to him. At just the right time, he was hung on the cross, on that, the, 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 the cross next to that criminal. You see, many criminals had been hung before, but at just the right time for that one man, he was there. Can I tell you today, God is always on time. And if he's been on time so far, can I tell you there's one more time he's going to be on time? When he tells his son to step out on the cloud and come back for his church. He'll be on time for that. The cross happened at just the right time. The moment of the cross shows the magnitude. It shows the planning that God had put into this. But also the second thing, the moment of the cross leads us to the mission of the cross. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon said, Jesus has borne the death penalty on our behalf. Behold the wonder. There he hangs upon the cross. There is the great, this is the greatest sight you will ever see. Son of God and Son of Man, there he hangs, bearing the pains unutterable, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. Oh, the glory of that sight. 
in verses 8 and following, we see the mission of the cross. Why the cross? Verse 8 says, but God shows his love for us. Can I tell you something this morning? God loves you. God loves you. Oh, we know the verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And I think sometimes we, we take that and we, we make it so big. Yes, God loves the world. But can I just tell you this morning that God loves the world corporately, yes, but God loves you individually. The mission of the cross was for God to show His love for us. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. The first part of the mission of the cross is to show God's love, but that's not the only part of the mission. Can I tell you what? That God showing His love leads us to the second part of that mission, and that's for, I'm going to give you a big churchy word this morning. For our justification. Our justification. You see, it goes on here in, in verse 9. It says, since therefore we have now been justified by His blood. Can I tell you this this morning? That without the blood of Christ, we have no justification. Justification is simply God's act of removing the guilt and penalty of sin while at the same time making a sinner righteous through Christ's atoning sacrifice. Let me say that again. It's a big word, but I think we need to understand that justification is simply the God, is God's act of removing the guilt and the penalty of sin while at the same time making us righteous through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 4, verses 23 and following says, But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It would be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. You see, there's a custom in Rome. A man was condemned. If a man was condemned for a crime, he was put in prison. And they would nail a certificate of that debt to the prison door that he was in. And on that certificate, the debt would be written, the crime that this man was guilty of, and the number of years that he would stay in prison. The days, the months, the, the years, whatever it was. And when he had fulfilled his duty to the law, his certificate of debt was marked paid in full. It was taken and given to the judge who would have it notarized and, and then he would carry it, the, the, the accused would carry it with him. And listen, if anybody would accuse him of the crime again, he would pull out this certificate of debt and say, yes, I may have been guilty, but I have, been, I have paid in full. You're not going to bring me into double jeopardy. I've already paid for that crime. Can I tell you this morning? God has already paid the price for your sin. For your sin and my sin. 
1 Peter 3 and 18 says, For Christ also, also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, made alive in the Spirit. Hebrews 9 and 22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified by blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. If you have the old King James, it says, there is no, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, just one page over from where we're at today, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that Christ is in Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Listen, let me put it this way. You say, what's all this talk? Listen, it, it, it's, God has paid the price for our sin. He sent Jesus to pay for a sin debt that you and I could not pay. And it had to be done on the cross. So the mission of the cross is to show God's love, but it's really to, 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 be, to give us justification for our sin, to be justified. So that now we all carry around, those of us that are children of God, that have asked Jesus Christ to be a part of our life, we carry around a certificate that says paid in full. And some of you this morning, listen, some of you this morning, you have a past. <laughs> We've all got a past. But some of you this morning have got some things in your life that, say, that you know has been forgiven by God that Satan continues to bring up. And for some of you this morning, you need to pull that certificate out and say, guess what? It's paid for. Not only do we have justification, that's not just, that's part of the mission, but also the rest of the mission was this. God reconciled us to him. I know I've given you two big churchy words this morning, reconciliation and justification, but they're good, I promise you. You heard it in Romans 3. We all have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. The moment that sin entered in the world, our relationship, we could no longer have a relationship with the holy God. But God wasn't satisfied with that. He wanted a relationship with us. And he went as far to show us that he wanted a relationship with us by sending his perfect and only son to die on the cross for us. We need to understand that although we were at odds with God, our relationship with Him was broken, but He sent His Son that we could have a, a, a full relationship with Him again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and following says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself not counting their trespasses against them and, not, and, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Oh, I want to stop there, but I want to read. I can't not read that last verse. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. Can I tell you this morning, as believers, we've got to live like the cross made the difference for us. If not, they're not going to believe it. We just heard a song about him being our victory. We just 
heard, we sang songs this morning about God breaking the chains, but it all started at the cross. We started this morning with the hymn, at the cross, at the cross, I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart was rolled away. You see, at the cross was where our chains were broken. You know, God thought you were worth it to send his son to die on that cross for you. God thought you were worth it to pay your debt and to make it where you could have a relationship with him. It's been said that on the cross, sin was nullified, the sinner was justified, the law was satisfied, and God was glorified. That's good. Sin was nullified, sinner was justified, law, the law was satisfied, and God was glorified. Boy, if you're blood-bought, you ought to be saying amen at some point. Mm. The last thing. We've seen the moment of the cross. God was on time with it. We've seen the mission of the cross. Those two things lead us to the third and final point. And that's the melody of the cross. We look back at the text in the very last verse. It says, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice in our God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God showed his love for me. Because God sent his son to pay the debt that I couldn't pay. Because God sent his son to restore a relationship. If I would just accept it. Accept the payment, believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, and confess him before men. I will be saved. And it doesn't stop there. I think, I think sometimes we walk an aisle, we pray a prayer, we get saved, and we stop. But scripture tells us we ought to rejoice. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. We rejoice. We rejoice about reconciliation, about that new relationship. We rejoice because we're free. We rejoice because we have that relationship. We rejoice because we have eternity in heaven. We rejoice because our chains are gone. We rejoice. Because we're no longer broken, we're made whole. We rejoice because our old is gone and our new has come. There's a song, and I'll close with this. There's a song called, The Old Rugged Cross Made the Difference for Me. And the last verse of that song says, There's a room filled with sad, ashen faces. Without hope, death has wrapped them in gloom. But at the side of a saint, there's rejoicing. For life can't be sealed in a tomb. The old rugged cross made the difference. In a life bound for heartache and defeat, I will praise him forever and ever. For the cross 
made the difference for me. Has the cross made a difference for you? If so, does the world know it? Does your life show it? Because if it hadn't been for that moment in time, if it hadn't been for a holy God who wanted an unholy person like you and like me to have a relationship with, if it hadn't been for that, we would have no hope today. We'd be bound for an eternity in hell. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. It's something today to rejoice about. John Stott said this, before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. Before we can rejoice in the cross, we have to understand that we are the ones that put him there. Our sin, if you have done one thing wrong, our sin, that's what put him there. Because even one minor mistake, one minor sin, one white lie. Scripture tells us if you've broken part of the law, you've broken the whole law. And therefore we had to have a sacrifice. And God said, for every little white lie, by the way, we classify that, he doesn't. For every little white lie and for every big sin, I sent my son and his blood covered it all. Believer, he expects us to rejoice at that. Would you stand with me this morning? The invitation hymn is simple. It's how marvelous, how wonderful. Listen, we rejoice today because we have salvation. We rejoice today because of the cross. But if you've never experienced the cross, you can't rejoice. If you've never experienced the life change, if you've never experienced the chains that have been broken, if you've never experienced new life, you can't stand here and rejoice this morning. But understand, it doesn't matter how bad you think you are. It doesn't matter how far you are gone. It doesn't matter what you have done in your life. The blood of Jesus can cover that sin. But without being covered today, Scripture tells us you will fall under the wrath of a holy God. And that wrath is this. It's a real place called hell. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to come and let me talk to you more about it. You've heard the gospel presented, the best news I can ever present today. That Jesus Christ died for a sinner like me. He loved me so much. He loved you so much. He was willing to do it. Christian, have you gotten over the cross? Are you bored with it? You see, I firmly believe it ought to draw us 
It ought to draw some real emotion out of us. I'm not talking crocodile tears. I'm not, it ought to draw some kind of emotion out of us when we think about the price that he was willing to pay. I was thinking about this. Last week, me and my family went to the local restaurant for lunch after church. And we were sitting there eating, and we, we ordered what we would normally order. And as we were getting ready to leave, the, the little waitress walked over, and she said, um, your bill's been paid. And it happens sometimes, but it never ceases to amaze me. My fam, our family, our reaction is always the same. Who would pay for our meal? We're just nobody. The little waitress said, I can't tell you. I promised I wouldn't tell. It humbles us. If somebody paying for my lunch humbles me, my Savior paid for my eternity. How much more should that humble us? I don't know what God wants from me this morning. You do. I just ask that you'd respond according to Him.